Good day, sir. How are you? Good day, sir. Fantastic. Do got this? Got my Kundalini session in this morning. Kundalini, <laughs> Kundalini yoga. Are you familiar with it? You heard no. of? No. Enlighten us, Rodney. Would you? It's. It is. I, I mean, I feel so enlightened. So yeah, I'm on it. Mm. Uh, Kundalini is kind of a mixture of yoga, meditation. I don't know. Like it depends. There's a lot of different types, but some type of a uh, workout. Like because you have you have motion, you have poses, you have breathing, you have focus points. So it's kind of like the best of all worlds. You could you could just do Kundalini and be cool. You don't even need to work do out. You, you don't need do to meditate. You, it's all in one. Do you have a tape? Oh, and there's also chants. Chants. They're chanting. And do you have a tape or a class um, or? Who, who, what do you follow here? Because I'm interested. Uh, my sister, my sister sent me a uh, one that she likes on the YouTube. Oh, so I have a video. Okay, that I would you I would you mind sharing it? Oh, and you can share it I in would. the show notes of this episode. Kundalini yoga. Like, hey, listen, Kundalini. We talk a lot about these things, and nine times out of ten, you know, I just take it. It's like, hey. That's 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 Rodney. We're good, but I'm interested. Like you sold me on this one. All right. Oh, hey, I will share. Share it, it. please. Get your get your chakras lined Kundalini. up, bro. Welcome back, or welcome to more in common. If this is your first time with uh, with us, uh, we're a podcast that seeks to inspire thoughtful and honest conversation that leads to action and positive change. You know, ultimately, we look to expose that we do have more in common than that which divides us, even if it's rooted in differing points of view. Um, you can check out our website for content um, from our blogs, uh, from our all of our podcast episodes. Um, you can check out different ways to support us. And you know, one of the best ways that you can support us is, is sharing this. If you like listening to us, share it with a single, just share it with one friend. And you know, we're, we're continuing to try to support this, this activity, grow it, get more scalable uh, capabilities from editing so we can deliver more and more content. So again, just share it and you can check us out at our website, moreincommonpod.com. That being said, um, you know, let's go back Back to our last episode, we released uh, with with Brittany Chung, uh, founder of the Elevation Society. Rodney, what were your thoughts about that episode? Man, the number one thing was talking about about Brittany growing up as mixed race, so part Japanese and part is the same as uh, Lloyd. Actually, I can't. Oh, Calverdian. Yeah. So, so that was interesting, like hearing how she kind of navigates that. But then, even more so, when the question came up, uh, "Where are you from?" and w- the insinuation behind it, and how that feels to have that question asked especially when somebody's shocked like no 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 where are you really from because they automatically assume that you're not from the u.s if you look brown or you've got a turban or and even your comments about the sick episode from um man now i'm forgetting it w kamal bell's (laughs) show uh but that was that was my main takeaway so like now it's I, I'm sure I've done it to people when I've asked like where they're from and I'm super interested in people's backgrounds. So just kind of being careful to make sure that when I respond to their response, it doesn't alienate them the way that I feel like yeah. I have been. No, that's a good one. I mean, along those lines, that was one of the takeaways for me is just the idea of mixed race. You know, we often think black and white, you know, we've talked about this a lot lately. It doesn't just mean that. So kind of plays into that breaking down the assumptions of from from where did you grow up well you didn't just texas oh no but really well no texas and maybe the question is oh what's your family's heritage you know if 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 that's where the conversation goes but yeah yeah for me the biggest thing was just the, the idea of suicide in young people and how pervasive and prominent it is and this idea of how she had a great strong family structure that that helped her be comfortable and confident with who she was, even as a teenager, and how that what that actually means as a teenager, and the importance of building that family culture at home, especially with uh, young girls that we have, and and you know young children in general, and making sure that they feel confident and comfortable. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and when when as they approach an even more digital age in in ten years. 
So, uh, who do we have coming up today? Kwame, aka Coach. He's a big-hearted and uh, likable guy. I met him walking around the campus at work uh, earlier this year, and he's um, you know he's focused on on coaching young black men specifically through football on becoming well-rounded human beings. Through that conversation, it was just like, hey, we got to get this guy on the podcast. He's got a lot to say. A lot of very interesting um, components of his life that really tied in unknowingly to to Brittany's conversation mm-hmm. uh, just around suicide, September being Suicide Prevention Month. We talk about his struggles with uh, mental health, especially coming out of the loss of his mom at an early age, yeah. the years he had to handle that and manage that with his you know, family struggles as well. Um, and, and ultimately how he worked himself through that, you know, seeking therapy and other things to become the man he is and a man with purpose. Yeah. And we talk about his three C's that he teaches young men. You'll have to keep listening to find out what those are. Yeah, you will. And, um, you know, we, we talk about what it's like to live in a very multi-faith family from Buddhism, Pentecostal, Catholic, et cetera, and how they all come together at, at reunions and other things. And they all get along in such a, you know, it's a great, great testament of, of the, the, the more in common tagline. So excited to bring you to the episode and, and really, you know, uh, tune in and, and enjoy it. Hey, just a, a real quick note. At the beginning of this conversation, there's a weed whacker and we were just unable to get this guy to stop whacking these weeds. And I promise if you power through it, the conversation is absolutely worth it. Just wanted to give you a heads up so it didn't throw you off too much. Enjoy. I went through a stage in my life where I cut on myself, right? So, you know, and and, and that got into a thing where it was, I was doing it because I, I, I needed the pain of what I was feeling emotionally to go away. And so for me, I feel like God put me on this earth to be able to communicate and share and help other young men to be better. And what better opportunity than to see my own pain or my own shortcomings and be able to share with other people that same pain so that they can look at themselves and be able to say, okay, maybe I'm experiencing that, maybe this is me. Welcome to More In Common, or welcome back to More In Common, uh, if you've joined us before. Today, we are here with Kwame Bowen, aka Coach, and uh, hello Coach. How we doing? How we doing? Excellent. How are you? Very well, thank you. Fantastic. So to start off, Kwame, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Give us give us your story in, in, in four, 40 seconds. Wow, my story in 40 seconds. Wow. Um, born in Seattle in 1974. Um, raised in St. Louis. Um, from there, uh, graduated, went to college in Illinois. Um, I had my son and by my second year in college. Uh, dropped out of school at that point to take care of him. I moved to Georgia, um, got married and started my career and now i'm living in california and and loving it um you know i have one two six siblings and you know and lost my mom when i was six so you know that was interesting um that that kind of came out came out of that but uh yeah that's pretty pretty much me in a nutshell so um, where in the rank of six children do you fall? So I fall number three from the top. So I have an older brother and sister. Here's the middle. Yeah. Kind of the middle top. Yeah. So, you know, and the funny thing is in my household, there was only three of us. It was myself and then my younger brother and then my other brother under him. And so I actually was the oldest in the house growing up. And, um, 
that was, you know, definitely interesting because after I lost my mother, then I had to take care of the house, you know, because that was the father. Yes, yes, yes. So that was kind of cool and ugly at the same time, right? That's kind of how life is, kind of bittersweet, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how much older are your older brother and sister? All right, so my older brother is 50, and he and I share the same same mother, right? But we have different fathers. Okay. But my father took him under his wing, so he was like my brother as well, you see? Mm -hmm. So, and then... My older sister, she's 49, so she's probably five years older than I am. And she and I, we have the same father, different mothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so they were out of the house. Correct. Basically, right now. Okay. Right. So my older brother actually lived in Seattle where my, my mother's side of the family is. And my sister grew up in St. Louis, where my father's side of the family. Um, as of today, and you know, we've talked and you've shared some things. You lost your mom when you were six, and you're a coach today. And mm-hmm. one of the things that you try to do is help teenagers be better men. Um, how how did losing your mom young so young help or? or create and frame your mission in life and the things you want to do and, and, you know, really how you are today? Good question. So, honestly, I think because, so you look at how we work as a people, right? And really, a man and a woman in relationships serve different purposes, right? Um, So, me losing my mother at the time caused me to miss a part of who I am. And I didn't really recognize that and see that until I was grown, nearly 30-something years old, when I found out I really couldn't share myself with a woman because I've never seen it with my father and a woman. Um, So through my relationships, I found that I would fail because I never could really be like, open myself up to a woman. And that's what something they need. Right. That's something that they look for is is a man that's able to communicate with them on a deeper level than just this surface of what what I'm living every day. Right. So it took me to do what I was talking about earlier. Self-evaluate. Right. We have to look and see where our shortcomings are, where our failures are in order to be able to be a better person. You know what I mean? And to be able to move forward in life. And um for me, being able to self-evaluate and see where I was, I had those shortcomings, that let me know that there's other people like that obviously live like that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I feel like God put me on this earth to be able to communicate and share and help other young men to be better. And what better opportunity than to see my own pain or my own shortcomings and be able to share with other people that same pain so that they can look at themselves and be able to say, okay, maybe I'm experiencing that. Maybe this is me. Right. And, and, and maybe they'll be able to keep themselves from making the same mistakes that I made growing up. And they don't have to wait until they're 30 some odd years and miss out on, you know, 25 years of happiness because of, you know, something they were short on. You know what I mean? What caused, what caused you to self-evaluate? Like, what was the trigger? What, what led you to that point? So, being a Libra who I am, right, and, and kind of who God made me, right, he made me in the likes to be able to be a critical thinker, to be able to sit down. Okay, so bottom line is I don't like pain. <laughs> Let's keep it real and keep it short. You know what I mean? Like the bottom line is I don't like pain. So when you start going through pain, then you have to figure out why am I, why me? Like, what is this? You know, so that became the reality of the situation. And so I had to figure out what it was because I went through a stage in my life where I cut on myself. Right. So, You know, and it, and that got into a thing where it was I was doing it because I, I, I needed the pain of what I was feeling emotionally to go away. So I oh, so you were doing it physically. Yes. When was this in your life? Like how old? <laughs> so this was like within the past like fifteen years. Oh, okay. So yeah. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? So because 
it just got to a point where I didn't know what else to do. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I hit a wall because I was too immature. I wasn't mature enough where I was ready to go to a counselor and open myself up with somebody. I was going to ask, did you, did you end up talking to somebody? Um, how did, so if you didn't talk to somebody, how did you figure it out? I mean, you said critical thinking, but like, what was that exactly it? Like you were going through pain mentally and then physically self-inflicted and you eventually got to a point where you're like, I got to figure this out or how did yeah, so that, that's exactly it. You know, I got to a point where the pain led to me hurting myself, led to me getting to a point where I felt like the next move is me dying. And I had to think a self inflicted wound? Yes. Yeah. So I had to I had to I start seeing people that, that care about me. You know, and that's and really that's selfish as hell to take yourself out like that because people care about you. You know what I mean? And you're only thinking about yourself in that situation when you decide to remove yourself from the earth. So I couldn't do that to all the people that still had to live behind me. You know what I mean? Was like, that, did you get to that realization easily? Or did that, like, how did that, was this over a period of years? Or, like, what was the, what was it like coming to that? Especially without help, like, without talking to somebody. Yeah, so it, it, I didn't go for, okay, so honestly, I went to counseling probably for probably like two months. And How far into it did you? Uh, so, okay, so I went into, I started cutting on myself and I started doing that for probably, I would probably say like three or four months before I got to a point where I had to do something different, mm -hmm. right? I had to look at other options because other people start noticing it too. Right, right. And then it became embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, because the last thing I want to do is to see other people questioning me in, about, you know, this situation, you know what I mean? Because it's private to me still, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But I can't always hide it. For one reason or another, people will come across it and see it. So you live in L.A., it's warm. You can't wear long sleeves all the time. No. Stuff like that. Like, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it got to a point where, yeah, about four months into it, I was like, okay, something has to change here. Because I can't keep doing this because of fear of like having to actually talk to somebody or somebody corner me and forcing me to talk about it or, you know, me doing some myself and making it worse or killing myself, actually. You know, so I decided to go to counseling and I went to counseling for probably four months and I had a realization that I have to do the work myself. Mm -hmm. Hmm. A counselor can tell you whatever they want to. The bottom line is, yeah, do you got to do the work. Wow. Can I ask you what the what the pain was to lead you to to that situation? Um. Yeah. the The pain was I felt like I kept failing people. Hmm. You know, I felt like the last thing I want to do is. Have people look at me. As a failure. And I was failing my wife, my kids, my brothers, my family members. And I didn't know how to change it. And uh, it was hard, you know, it was hard on me uh, going through that, that time, especially seeing my, my wife hurting because I was coming up short. And I didn't know how to turn around because I was so immature myself being in that relationship that I wasn't handling things properly, you know, so... Um, that kind of led up to me, you know, really not just just coming into that behavior. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, no. Yeah. No, you're good. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you. you for sharing, man. It's not hey, easy to. Hey, it's it's not like it's something that a lot of a lot of people struggle with, and like you did don't want to talk about it whether it's pride whether it's you don't know how whether it's you know 
whatever the reason may be, right? And to share with us and, and to get through that yourself, like sharing that means something to some Hopefully to somebody, to a lot of people, you know right? And yeah, appreciate you sharing it. And, um, I, and I'm curious, like what you said, like going into the positive component of this, you said, I realized I needed to do the work. Mm-hmm. What was that work? Tell us about that work. Like um, what got you to, you know, got you through it? Uh, it? Like I said, it was it was a matter of just being a failure and, and feeling like, you know, I couldn't always come up short. You know, I had to do something right. I had to figure out how and where my shortcomings were where I just couldn't seem to get over the hump, you know, and a lot of it has to do with how we see ourselves, right? How we portray ourselves, even how we look at ourselves, you know, and look in the mirror. And it did start with me. So my auntie, all right, go back, right? So when I was a teenager um, coming up, I couldn't understand why girls didn't like me, right? You know what I mean? So I, I went through my freshman year, my sophomore year, and my auntie, um, after we lost my mom, she really became my mom. She traveled with us. Like, when we moved to Seattle, she moved to Seattle from St. Louis, wow. you know? When we moved back, she ended up moving back, you know what I mean? So mm. she was there, always there, you know? And um, one day coming home from uh, high school, <laughs> I was walking home down the sidewalk and my auntie saw me and she looked at me. She's like, boy, why are you walking around with your lips hanging out? You know what I mean? Like, what's wrong? And, and so I was like, I don't understand why girls don't like me. She said, that's, that's it. You know, the bottom line is, it's like they have a sixth sense. They can sense when you don't feel good about yourself. You know, when you walk, people can see that. People can see your energy and they can feel that from you. So the first thing you need to do is to look at yourself. Change how you feel about yourself. You know, change how you look at yourself. You know what I mean? Because there's so many different people out there that there's somebody out there that loves you for the way that you look. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's beautiful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to look like somebody else. You don't have to be somebody else. You love you for you Because if you can't love you How can you really truly give love to somebody else Mm. You know what I mean You're really cheating them out of The love you could give them Because you're selfish You know what I mean And you're not dealing with that pain Mm -hmm. So for me You know listening to my auntie tell me You know it's you You have to feel better about you you know, you have to look at yourself and figure out what it is you don't like and either change it or accept that that's what it is mm-hmm. and then truly embrace it mm-hmm. and move forward. Because you can't yep. do nothing about what has already happened. You, yep. you can't do nothing about your future because you don't know when it's going to end. So the one thing you can do is manage right now. So I tell my athletes, I ask them, um, what's the most important play? And their response to me is this play. And the reason is, is because you can't do nothing about nothing but right now. Because this is all we have. Mm -hmm. This second that that we're talking, this is the only thing we got control of. Yeah. So you know what? I'm embracing this conversation. I'm embracing sitting here talking to you all and, and sharing this moment because you know what? This is what matters. There's this so this thing happened to me. Well, okay, two things. One, the thing about somebody loves you how you are. Um, so much there. I used to look at and judge relationships where one say like she's super fit and he's like really out of shape. I'm like, how could she love him? Or you know, like and like I used to judge that, and now I look at it. I'm like, man, like that's awesome. Like you don't have to change him because of blah, 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 because you like fitness or whatnot. Right. Um, and then the second thing, in high school, I wrestled. And uh, I, went, I got to go to this camp down at IU, good wrestling school, and ended up getting second in the camp. And they gave me this their shirt, the, the team shirt, yeah. their warm-up, and it said, wherever you are, be there. I didn't understand this shirt yeah. for like... 10 years. I would wear it, but I had no idea what it meant. 
I really did. I thought it was bad grammar. I thought it was confusing. I just didn't get it. And now it's like, that's it. Like, I'm here now. Right. Huh. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's it. <laughs> Simple concept. Hey, y'all. We're going to take a quick break from today's episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, we want to tell you about one of our villagers, the Elevation Society. Rodney, can you tell them about the Elevation Society? Indeed, I can. And Elevation Society is a nonprofit that focuses on reducing suicide, bullying, and depression by uniting humans to collectively solve issues and by showing every individual that their life is worth fighting for. It's an extremely powerful mission and uh, it's worthwhile. So check them out at theelevationsociety.org. Hope you're enjoying today's show. Let's get back into it. So you did this work and that led you to being a coach. Um, what do you coach? So I coach like, rec league football. So I like, okay. I like the 10, 11, 12, 13 year old age because I feel like that's the age where young men start smelling themselves as our parents used to mm. say, right? <laughs> where they start getting the little hormones like start growing. It's like, mm, yeah. I don't want to listen to mama and daddy no more. I'm over that. Yeah. And that's real because that's the age where they start learning to find out who they are, right? And start to shape and mold their mentality about what they think and how they feel and how they should react. And, and for me, that's the perfect age because that's the age where I want the parents to drop them off to me. Because then you can help them. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's what they use the they use the coaches as. They use us as babysitters a lot of times. Right. Right. So it's perfect for me because like I say, the young man, I could use football as a tool to teach them. So I tell all my parents in the beginning, I coach football, but I teach life. Right. Mm. I use the three C's, courage, commitment, consistency. I use my saying, you know, um, what's the most important play? This play. And I have another one that says when I ask them, uh, when I say nobody beats us, but us, because the reality is nobody can beat you, but you. Right. You fail yourself a lot of times. And I take that back. Pete, there are, you're, there are going to be people better than you are sure. in some areas, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. for the most part, we beat ourselves in a lot of occasions. But, but even to I, that point, like, okay, the scoreboard says we lost the game. Right. But did we, like, you you decide if you're defeated. Yeah, without a yeah. doubt. Yeah. I, I, I take, like... It's one of those mentalities you can use in anything. I've taken it into interviews for new jobs or if I'm going to lose today, it's not because I didn't show up. Right. It's not because I didn't prepare and it's not because I didn't give it everything I possibly could. And I may lose on the selection of the job. Right. I may lose on the scoreboard. I may lose whatever it may be that the objective measure of loss is, <laughs> but I did not lose myself because I'm not walking out of that thinking, boy, I, I could have prepared more, mm. done a little bit more, whatever. Like, I walk out head high, let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, so you, um, you strive to be uh, a mentor for these kids, teaching based on your life experiences, the mistakes that you, you've made. Did you have, I mean, having lost mom early, did you have a, a, a role model? Was dad really strong f male figure in your life? Like what did that look like for you that kind of helps you come full circle or like, like help uh, walk, walk me through what that, that experience was for you as a kid. So after losing my mom, my dad, kind of lost himself you know he got caught up in drugs and for many years we were known as nomads because we would move from place to place because we could never stay anywhere because we kept getting kicked out mm -hmm. now my father he, he kept the job you know he worked and you know but he bills just didn't get paid because they was going on the places mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean and so mm -hmm. that was the reality of the situation there was you know, there was a couple times where, you know, I wasn't proud of the situation, but I couldn't do nothing about it. You know what I mean? Because I was a kid myself. And so, you know, for me, I my mentor came up in some of my college coaches. I mean, my high school coaches, I'm sorry. 
um, my high school football coach, he came and watched me play college ball. For me, that was big. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because my father didn't come see me play. Mm-hmm. I can't say I remember one game in the three years I played high school football and the two years that I played college ball that he ever come see me play. Really? Yeah. And so I was to have somebody who's not related to me come and spend time, like drive two, three hours and stay overnight and to watch just to watch my game. He wasn't there for nobody else. To me, that was big. Mm-hmm. That mattered. And for me, I think that started to stoke the fire for me to be able to understand that you can make a difference in people's lives, not having to be solely connected to them through blood. You know what I mean? Just by having a relationship with them. Yeah. You know? And so that seed kind of grew with me over the years. And there was another gentleman that I ran into after, uh, it was actually high school. Um, he was actually a basketball coach for my little brothers. He was an alcoholic, but he still cared about the kids. He still came and got us when we didn't have a rise to practice. You know what I mean? Like he was there. At least he showed up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and he, and he done what he could when we didn't have food. He would help out sometimes. He would come in, you know what I mean, and, and make sure that when it came game time, we had what we needed. You know what I mean? And there was three of us at the time. You know what I mean? And so I grew to respect him for that much. He would, we would go hang out at his house and just be kids. You know what I mean? Because he, his kids played on the same team. So for me, another seed was planted. You know what I mean? Was that you can help people. And not have to have that blood connection or just having a great relationship with them can help them. So you so you had a couple people fill the gap in various different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, back on your dad, you said you were embarrassed before, before you could do anything. So you grew up quick. How much did you know? Or like how early did you figure out that like, oh, he was mm-hmm. he was hurting. He was using drugs. Like, that's why we moved. Like, mm-hmm. when did you figure that out? Um, I probably didn't get it until I was 13, maybe 14. Because then I could start understanding what's happening. I can see things. I can see the bills sitting down on the table and I can pick them up and read them and be like, oh, that says, yeah, the bills ain't getting paid. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's going to happen? Yeah, they're going to turn it off. You know? I, need, I need that light. Yeah. So, you know, the understanding started to make sense. And then it got to a point where, you know, my father would, he would try, like, to give me the money to, to help to pay the bills, but then he would take it back from me. So it's like, mm. you know, that does no good. You know what I mean? So for me, I couldn't see my father just destroy himself like that. So when I got older, I ended up leaving. And, you know what I mean? It was hard and I hated it. You know, because I left my brothers at home, which was another part of me hurting that I was going through when I started the bad cycle. Yeah. This is slowly becoming a theme. Um, this will be our third, our third podcast where we get into mental health, mm. um, and it's creeping in my head that I want to find a way. Like, I, unless I hear you, and you just, you just did something that nine out of ten men would never do specifically around other men. Yeah. You know, especially black men. But like, it just, like, you show emotion, you're weak. You sh- you're weak, you, you're vulnerable. You're like, um, finding a way to, to kill that stigma and help people process so that they can process, so they can get to a place where they can help other people and live a healthy life. And like you said, um, find love or find happiness exactly. and not sit in that dark place like it sounds like potentially your dad was in and you were in for a while yep. um, have you um, re- like do you still have a relationship with your brothers oh yeah yeah uh, matter yeah. of fact in a couple okay. of weeks we're getting together um, and we're gonna have like our first family reunion so it's gonna be kind of cool um, nice yeah so yeah we still do it for a minute you know we didn't talk as much but, you know, over the past two years, I lost my grandmother and grandfather who were like, well, my grandmother was like the center of the family. 
You know what I mean? And so, like, losing her was kind of tough. It was like losing my mom again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because my father was very, very, you know, still loving behind. I mean, still almost like mama's boy. You know what I mean? Like, she took care of him still. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, when she left in, you know what I mean? It was like, there goes mama <laughs> over again. You know, but, um, yeah. I mean, it my God makes no mistakes, right? And so I don't believe that anything happens by chance or by accident. So, you know, it was their time to go and it was all of our time to grow up in some way and mature, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so part of that was about us coming together as a family again and not letting that loss be something that stifles us from growing as a family. So you've had some serious loss in your life. Like, I'm, I'm in, like I've been very, very blessed not to. Right. <clears throat> and when you have that kind of loss, you know, it, it's everybody's going to deal with it in a different way. And you've come out on the bright, brighter side of things. And you you said something to me or to us prior to, you know, hit and record in this. What keeps you going and your the opportunity to do something great each day? Like, how do you channel that? Like a lot of people lose like you did how do you channel that that mentality like that that to me when you said it originally it was really cool insight now it's profound given the experience that you have in life like you you've gone through some stuff some serious stuff uh, mental health challenges you know um you you've you like how like what what is your what is your secret to to channel that energy of you know, you know to, to take advantage of the opportunities every single day to do something great. I think first of all is just realizing that I'm not perfect. Right, I'm going to fail because I'm flesh, and accepting that I'm not going to always achieve every goal that I'm looking at every day all the time. I think mm-hmm. makes it easier to be able to go after it, right? Because. I think sometimes we put things on such a high pedestal and feel like we have to get it that sometimes trying so hard trying to get it, you know, it's harder to accept the failure and get back up after it. Right. So if I can say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to be 100 percent in everything that I do. That's first and foremost. Then, you know, just getting up and saying that. I love helping people that like that's who I am. That's innate to who I am. It really is. And I feel like each every each and every opportunity that I have that I can touch somebody and that I can leave them with a positive opportunity or a positive situation. I feel like that's what God made me to who I who I am. Uh, and I think that. Yeah, that's man. That's really good. So you said, hey, you mentioned you referenced God a couple of times and we talked prior in our in our uh, intro call mm. about uh, faith, religion, spirituality and your extremely unique and diverse journey. Like, I didn't even know there was such things as a black Buddhist, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, like, let's bring that up <laughs> so real let's, quick, right? Let's, like, can you tell us a little a bit kid, about like, Can you tell us about your, your religious experience <laughs> as a kid? Because God is really important to you. Yeah. And I really want to talk about like, that, what that, that experience yeah. and what it means to you today. Yeah. Um, because, and I'll, I'll, see, I'll, I'll, I'll frame it a little more to say that like we really believe in having a basis of understanding when we talk about things, yeah. so we can all come at it, you know, from a from the same place. So definitely. So growing up, my mother, father, <clears throat> and my auntie that kind of traveled with us after my mom mm-hmm. died. Um, they're all Buddhist. So Buddhist in the sense of Tina Turner. You seen what Slug got to do? Oh, I have, and I, yes. I never. Yeah, there you go yeah. with the big, with the boots on, with the yeah, 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 with the gohans and yeah. So my father has a really beautiful version. It's gorgeous, man. It was she used to have it actually. Uh, he sold it, but anyway. Um, so my mother, auntie, and father were Buddhist. My grandmother and grandfather were Baptist preachers. Like they had their own church, you know, and their own, you know, followers and everything. Congregation. Yeah. So, and then my auntie was Pentecostal. 
So for me, there was a weird dichotomy or a, a mixture of, of, of religion that I was amongst, you know, and I had to and those deal are, with those it. are some extreme. <laughs> opposites right, right, right. <laughs> you know and, and for a while you know it caused confusion for me because i didn't know who to pray to mm. right like what's right you know what i mean and so as i got older when i got into college which really kind of opened my eyes up to all the different cultures and nationalities and people that are out there it started really getting me to think right when you look at a lot of the core of the religions they all say the same stuff would they all really just like we we all really want the same things in life mm. really be good to people support people you know take care of your family you know your kids, exactly family. it's all the same things to me that's the reality because truth transcends any nationality math science mm. those things transcends any nationality you think of it doesn't matter which yeah, yeah, two plus two is four. I don't care which how you say it. Yeah. That is the reality. And to me, when you look at a lot of the good religions, they all say the same thing. They all and to me, that's the reality. And when we scrape off all of this other garbage, then and we stop fighting about what's really causing us division of, of who did what and how they did it and and how we should practice it and all of that. No. Uh, we get away from all of that and we deal with the fact of what we need to do to support one another and to get out of each other's way and to really help each other to grow, then that I feel like is what's real. And so for me, when I pray, I chant. Hmm. But then I also say God, because I'm not saying God in the sense of the, the Christian term or the, you know, any term. You're not picking any no. faith. I, I'm faith. saying this is who I believe. Yeah. Right? Because I believe there's something beyond us. You know what I mean? And so for me, that's who I pray to. So I might pray, Namyo Renege Kyo. You know what I mean? In, 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 in the Buddhist term. But then at the same time, I would say, God, forgive me for me falling short. You know, help me to be a better man by continuing to remind me about my shortcomings. So I pray both ways. It's not just one way that I see it, that I that I that I ask God to to deliver me and talk to me. Do you think that that extreme confusion that that gave you throughout growing up helped with your critical think ability to think critically? Did it help? So yeah, so yeah, no, it, it did in a sense because it caused it to be practice, right? Yeah, because it caused me to have to sit down and think, like, like what is this that I'm experiencing? I mean, they, were they all pulling on you? Like, this is the right way. This is the right way. This is the right way. Or so there wasn't a direct thing of you have to come over here. It was kind of like think about it. You know what I mean? Like it was a thing where you know you. You felt uncomfortable in some situations where you couldn't, you didn't want to tell them no, you didn't want to go to church. Mm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. What were what were family outings like? Yeah, what were holidays? Like, what was Christmas like? Like, you, hey. like when, when everybody got together, <laughs> It right? was lovely for real because yeah. we as a family, yeah. when we get together, we're good. You know what I mean? Like, everybody can put their madness aside and, and really just be with one another. Now, that that's be a lot of it may be because grandmother made sure that that was the case because everybody respected grandmother. But since I don't get a lot of opportunities to go home, I don't get an opportunity to be there with the family. So with me coming there, then I suspect it's going to be just as good because, you know, when I hear about the family getting together, you know, they have a great time as well. You know what I mean? So it's, I suspect it's not going to change, but, you know, the weird, not the weird, just the different religions, you know, played a different part in my perspective on not wanting to follow this reality of religion that we have. That seems subtle, like what you just did right there, that catch, the weird, the different. and But I think that that's like that intentional... 
inclusion of like the awareness. Just because it's not mine doesn't make it wrong right. or weird. I think I think your family and your experience when it comes to religion is a manifestation of what's possible, right? Like because I I think about like I'm in a way I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I do believe in something beyond the physical and tangible. Um, I do so as much rooted in my understanding of certain parts of, of physics and other things as I do in just, just straight belief. Um, but you have all of these sects of, um, S E C T S. Not, uh, not um of of or factions of people who believe in that very principle something beyond us and there's this self-truth like this this truth of this is what i believe and this is how i live my life to treat other people better and i understand what you believe baptist pentecostal buddhist that's your truth. It doesn't impact my truth. And my truth doesn't impact your truth. The only way we're going to let it is if we fight with each other about it. And you kind of embody it all to say, hey, it's, it's, it's all true at the same time. And this is why. And we can all believe that and not fight with each other just because your truth is slightly different than my truth. And it's a lot of that idea around conversation and that idea around treating people with respect and not judging them just because they're weird. Right. right? right. Quote unquote. Your, um, your family definitely embodies that. And the way, the way I've been saying it recently, I think I'm probably going to have to write about this now, uh, is, you know, what, why is it for my path to be right? yours has to be wrong mm -hmm. and then like y'all being able to come together and saying like whatever we're family like, it doesn't matter like why can't we do that in the world because people are selfish and this is what I was talking about before about being able to self evaluate this is where we fall short I feel as humanity is because we don't do well at looking at ourselves we're, you know a lot of times we don't want to deal with people for fear which really has to do with you, not me. You know what I mean? Or we don't want to deal with people because really that's what it boils down to, really. Mm -hmm. It's fear. You know what I mean? And if, if we can get beyond that, you know, then I feel like we can move mountains for real. You know what I mean? Because we know as a people we can do some amazing things. We already have as a as a culture as a humanity as a, no matter how you look at it um so i think that that part of it that that fear aspect that we deal with whether it's in a relationship whether it's in going to get a job or dealing with your kids or whatever if we can deal with fear in our lives then we can definitely move forward hmm no, it's um, it's it's this concept that I've been thinking a lot about lately, is being a part of a culture that embraces each other regardless of differences, whether you wear fishnet stockings or baggy jeans or, or a, a suit, a like a hoodie. Yeah, is. To, you, you nail it like we we have this tendency and i've i've succumbed to it and i'm really trying to focus on on myself in this in this aspect now rather than others but i've succumbed to that idea of you know just getting caught up in the emotion of it yeah. rather than just asking a question embracing the conversation you know sitting down with somebody and just hey what's going on mm -hmm. like this this type of experience and exposure to people within our podcast that, you know, Hey, this, this, it's an avenue to connect. It's an avenue to connect with, with, with you Kwame who, and learning about your experience and taking your experience and allowing other people to hear it. And it might be two people that hear it and go, man, I get it. Right. And that's, that's me. And I, I've, I've got a, 
be able and that's powerful like that's two people like that's a powerful thing when one person can connect with another person and make a difference and and have a difference be made within themselves i think it's uh I think it's I think it's cool. I think your your story is is very it's 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 fascinating and and I mean I appreciate where you've come and one thing I I I would love to hear from you is like when you mentor like and you and you talk about the three C's and other things but what about your experience do you hope other people learn from? I don't have a explicit thing that I want people to learn from because everybody has their own experience or life that they're going through. But if there's something, I don't care what it is, that you can take from my life or your short time with me that moves you to be positive, to do something positive, that I don't care, that's it. I've done my job. I've done what God has put me on the earth to do, you know? And so I don't have any one particular thing except the fact I just want you to take something that moves you to be positive, to do something better, you know what I mean? To be greater, you know, because we all have the means and the opportunity to do it. It's just, will we take it? What would you say to somebody? Okay, two questions. First one is, what would, and I think you answered this one already earlier, but somebody who's hurting and potentially hurting themselves as a result. Like, what would you say to them, like, to help them understand? Like, I, I don't even, I won't even qualify. Yeah, what would you yeah, say to them? What would you say? Um, I think first of all, it's okay to hurt. Hmm. Like, it's okay to be in pain. First of all, you know, because and and especially for black men, any man, any person, but especially for black men because we don't feel like we we can be that right so what why is that like i'm sorry to interrupt i'm curious because this has come up a lot with Mm -hmm. conversations we've recorded and you know for us white folk right (laughs) (laughs) what is what is that cultural stigma within the black community around pain and hurt why do you say we're not allowed to feel that. I'm, I'm really curious. And I haven't asked you this question, Rodney, either. So open floor. I mean, what do you, what's your take on that, Kwame? I think, you know, from a culture, we haven't had the freedom because there's this, 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 yeah, there's this thing around us always having to be, to be hard or be, you know, disassociate ourselves from being feminine, I guess, to some extent, and and, and opening yourself up and, and showing yourself as being sensitive can be known as being feminine. And mm-hmm. people and don't accept that and don't like it, you know, because they feel like somehow this the whole stigma behind you're being gay, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But and it's I'll add, like, because that exists, I think, for men in general. Like, mm-hmm. I think in our men, and, and especially in, well, all I can speak to is American culture. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not true. Uh, uh, some Latino and Hispanic cultures as well. Middle Eastern um, cultures especially. Yeah. And I would say that for, for black men in America, it's, it's really confusing. And I think some of it goes back to slavery, where, like, if you were weak, you were... Like your life was at risk. You were no value because you weren't even considered a whole person. So if you couldn't be strong mm. physically, yeah. then you had no value. So why are you here? Mm. Right. And then you carry that forward to now. There's this, there is a cognitive dissonance. There is this thing like, I know that I'm hurting, but I know that if I say that I'm hurting, then it's like, ah, oh, bro, you weak. Like, get out of here with that. Like, <laughs> like you, you, it's just, you, it's just not allowed. It's just not allowed. And then if you want to go talk to somebody, like don't, don't even bring that up. I'm going to go see a head shrinker. Like that's how my grandma would call it. You know, go see a head shrinker. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's a really weird thing to know that something's wrong and not, and know also that you can't talk to anybody about it yeah. and not know what to do about it. And so my next question was actually going to be, how do we fix that? 
Like, how, how do we let people know that it's okay to not only hurt, but then to ask somebody for help? Like, that's not, it's actually, like, that vulnerability is, is sharing your, your, your fears and your weakness and all that stuff. Like, it actually makes you stronger and it's counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like, Courage can't exist without fear. That like you have to overcome something exactly to be courageous. So how do we? But how do we? How do we make you? We go. We we go around the corner. Actually, right here in Inwood, or we go to college. Like some niggas gonna be like, uh huh, okay, bro, whatever. Like I'm <laughs> like <laughs> uh, deuces. Exactly. Like how do you? How do you have that conversation? And I think it starts probably where you are coaching. But like, yeah, uh, it, it definitely is. So. I guess we can approach it from a couple angles and really I think a person has to get to the point where they're willing to hear it. That's the first, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because a person has to be able to accept where they are and there has to be something beyond that. If that person isn't at that point, then they're never, they're never going to hear anything you have to say, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're not even open to it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's the opportunity that we have when kids are young is to be able to teach them how to better deal with different situations, how to be a critical thinker. This is why I use football, because on there, it's not that I just teach them the X's and O's, but tell me exactly what every man is doing on the, on the, on the field. Right. Because if you better understand what's happening with each every each and every man, then you can figure out what, what the play is happening and how you can better defeat it, right? Mm-hmm. One of the best things my father ever did in my life was he taught me how to play chess when I was like six years old. So I felt like as a kid, he, he allowed me to be a critical thinker because that's what chess does. Because you have to always be thinking two, three, four steps ahead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And even with that, you have to figure out what the person is or isn't going to do to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In that situation. So I feel like, you know, to your question, the person has to be ready to hear it. And first and foremost, I think the, the one thing about us as humans is we believe in what we can touch, taste, and hear and feel. Right? We struggle with what we don't. So by this message being out there, like you said, Keith, it may be just those two people that it's their time and moment for them to hear the message that mm. makes that change. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's a matter of timing and and for really God for them to, to make that change or give them that opportunity to make that change. And you guys are doing that by delivering the message for people to hear. Oh, thank you for that. I don't I mean that's that's a the opportunity to communicate always opens up an opportunity for us to grow, you know. So so we're we're coming up on time and I just want to thank you. I want to thank you specifically for being vulnerable. Um for for telling your story in in a way that can be heard um you know the 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 power of of people's stories is is a big deal it's a big deal in what we're doing and it's a big deal in and just connecting people who may have never heard a story like that before mm-hmm. so i want to i want to thank you for for joining us today and um with that rodney to to ask your final I'm question the wrap before up. we so go here we are at the end you have the floor to tell our listeners and, and who you know, the world um, drop some advice. Like, what, what, what would you leave us with? I think the most important thing is just enjoy each and every moment. Be alive in every moment. Stay committed, courageous, and consistent in each and every moment that you have because time is one thing we never get back. That's a resource we cannot refurbish. I can get more money, I can get another car, I can get another girlfriend, I can have another baby, I can build another house, I can do it all, but I can't get time back. So enjoy each and every moment that you have because every moment brings us closer to the end. 
that we never know when it's gonna happen, whether it's today, tomorrow, next week, next month, we don't know. So enjoy every moment, be courageous, be committed, and, and just continue to bless everybody that you can. You know, don't be selfish. You know what I mean? Because honestly, it's gonna come back to you. And that's one of the things that Buddhists believe, right? Is that, you know, it, it all works for the greater good. Positive and negative, right? So I choose to put out positive as much as, po as, as possible because that's definitely what I want back. And this opportunity definitely has brought me that, you know what I mean? Because I have great joy in being in this moment with you all and being able to share this story that I've lived for 44 now, 44 years now, you know, and I hope that eventually somebody, someday or somebody will definitely hear it and definitely be blessed by it. And all those that don't care less <laughs> because I, I can't stop doing what's great for those who hate, right? 